welcome to another new episode of Anime Countdown, which I suppose is the name we're going to be sticking with for a bit longer. I'm your host, LB, and joining me as always is CT. Good evening. So, for this episode, we're throwing our watch lists out the window and dreaming big, because in this episode, we're counting down the source materials that we most want to see someday get an anime adaptation for the first time. So, as far as we're aware, everything on our lists have yet to see any kind of anime adaptation. These are the ones that we most want to see actually happen at some point. As usual, neither of our lists are in any particular order. So, before we get into it, though, I want to go ahead and mention, normally this is the part where we talk about our honorable mentions and the ones that we wanted to put on our list but couldn't find space for uh in this case though i actually don't have any honorable mentions i had a hard enough time coming up with my top five actually but something tells me that you do have a few that you'd like to mention you have no honorable mentions okay uh yeah, I I can there are a few things I can think about. It might be a little bit boring, but uh all of mine are going to come from the world of manga because I'm a rather voracious reader in general. I've had a lot, you know, built up over the years to the moment that you suggest something like this. I have a half dozen things that pop into my head immediately anyway, and I have to sort through them. So it's kind of been my, my, uh, you know, most anime come from manga. Uh, although I, I don't know whether or not light novels uh, <laughs> are taking that over nowadays. May have to count that. But uh, so, yeah, there's, there's an awful lot of stuff that I can think of. Uh, I am not, you know, including things that either don't have enough source material to run with, I just want to see, or are fairly new. So even though I really, really, really want uh, Komi-san Can't Communicate to hit anime, I assume it's just because, you know, it's gonna. Same thing with Act Age from uh, uh, Shonen Jump. It, it is inevitable I want to see it. You know, I would have given a vote to Promise Neverland earlier and just got one. They, these are the things that I feel are coming. Uh, one of them that may not, there's a, a great little series from an author whose art I like a lot, uh, Kenji Tsuruta, who had uh, Spirit of Wonder back in the day, which had a nice little OVA. But uh, he has a... a a new manga series called Wandering Island, but while it's a few years old, it comes out so slowly that, uh, again, can't have an adaptation. So for honorable mentions <clears throat> of things that are fully, you know, that are old enough and that are fully done enough, uh, I will give one of them to something that I enjoy a lot uh, you know, on the last podcast, uh, I talked about uh, Masamune Shiro a bunch. One of his weirder things to come out is uh, a, a work called Orion, which is basically about uh, kind of a, a worldscape that's uh, built around, you know, Siddhartha. It's built around a bunch of the deities and their machinations and weird stuff going on. It, it is an utterly bizarre work, and I think it would be a, a fun thing to make an extended OVA out of. It doesn't really have enough. I don't think it has quite enough to make uh, to build a whole movie out of, but it, it would be a fun time. And uh, my one of my other honorable mentions at the time I gave to Outlanders, uh, in part, I thought to include Outlanders as should be rebooted because I actually like a different Joji Manabe series more. As far as I can tell, it's almost unknown, uh, called Caravan Kid. I really enjoyed that particular story, certainly at the time. 
I reread it a number of times. It is a uh, fun ride. Uh, it's definitely, you know, got his particular anthropomorphic uh, mannerisms running through it. I think allegedly it takes place in the same universe as Outlanders because you kind of see some of the characters. Uh, so either they were included as an Easter egg or it's simply a part of that extended universe. But it's a nice overall story. It, it ends interestingly. It never had any time in the sun. And while Manabe went back to just doing, you know, doujins and wrestling porn, uh, <laughs> not too long after finishing up with Outlanders, weird, weird uh, course uh, <laughs> there. I'd still like to see something happen to uh, Caravan Kid. So I'll, I'll leave that as some of the early and honorable mentions. Right on. So this actually leads right into our list because the first mention on my list is actually something that I feel very strongly is going to be getting an anime adaptation someday down the line, but it just doesn't have enough material yet. It's also one of the more obvious choices for me because I've mentioned this before quite repeatedly, uh, and that would be Way of the House husband yes i i was going to ask if it had either house or husband in the title of it yeah so my first one is way the house husband i absolutely adore this series i think the manga is hysterical the live action commercial that they did for it a few weeks ago was just absolutely amazing uh if this series got an adaptation of any kind i would watch it I will certainly be there for it when it shows up. I guess we'll uh, lead into into mine then. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I uh, waxed on a lot about Mitsuru Adachi last time regarding H2, which uh, I would have liked to see be given the, uh, the Brotherhood treatment uh, as opposed to Mix. Uh, he's had a few series that have never gotten an adaptation. One of them is, interestingly, an old kind of fantasy, semi-supernatural series, uh, Nijiro Togarashi. And while that's while that would be cute, uh, my second favorite of all of his series is actually his boxing manga, which is called Katsu. Uh, it's the one that uh, I mentioned is kind of paired with H2 because he led one into the other, and that's my favorite stretch of manga from the same author through multiple works was going from H2 to, to Katsu. It's a uh, really great series. Uh, it hasn't gotten anything to my knowledge, not even like a live-action movie, I don't think. He does seem to get, you know, reasonably short shrift just because there you know there were certain early things that didn't get completed and then other things that never uh came over and uh as much as Hajime no Ippo is kind of my arch nemesis series and that's about boxing and for the most part I don't care a whole lot for it I mentioned one pound gospel before uh, from Takahashi, but you know when you get the right author and the right story, you can tell a compelling tale. Even if I don't care for uh, the sport, even conceptually, and that's uh, one of the ways in which Katsu succeeds an awful lot. I didn't think you know there could be something that would pull me into boxing, the mechanics, or or be compelled by any aspect of it. But it it's great. So that's uh, that's where that's one of the things that I would like to uh, to see showed. Right on. Uh, yeah, I'm not as familiar with his other titles. I know of his I know of his baseball titles, and I have been learning a lot more about them lately, thanks to you. Uh, I will but... push him up every orifice you have available. Kinky. I probably could have probably could have worded that better, but 
So, all right. Uh, so, my number four is actually not a Japanese title of any kind. It's actually, as far as I'm aware, uh, an original English project from the 1970s. Uh, and that would be the tabletop RPG Paranoia. <laughs> wow. Nice. I would love to see an anime about the all-powerful computer and a party of main characters who all get six clones. I think that would definitely work. There are certainly, you know, a number of really out there anime with sci-fi concepts and a lot of really weird uh, comedic ones. And of course, Paranoia has a lot of that. The uh, first time I played Paranoia, I killed another player clone during character creation. So yeah, I can <laughs> I can really see the appeal of uh, transforming this into anime in some form. Yeah, I mean, I know that it's never going to happen. The game is long out of print and hardly anybody even knows about it. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of this game, by the way, it's basically a sci-fi game where you get six clones of yourself. Everyone in the party gets six clones of themselves. And your mission is to kill off as many of them as you possibly can without getting caught. And so, yeah, so I just think that this concept would work really well for an anime series, and I would pay really good money to see someone do it. It is not out of print, by the way. Someone kickstarted a new edition a couple years ago, so someone acquired the license from West End and, uh, and put out a Kickstarter for it, so there's actually technically a new edition, uh, I don't know if you can still buy it outside of the Kickstarter. I assume so, but uh, it'd be... I also just remembered that there's actually going to be a PC game for it uh, in the near future. I think it's called Mandatory Happiness or something like that. <laughs> could be, could be. So yeah, so that so yeah, you are right. It's not out of print anymore, but still, if anybody's listening and they're looking for a really interesting idea for a sci-fi series, look towards that. Now, one of the things that would be interesting, the the particular dystopian future, of course, there's there's a lot of black humor in it, but it's built around a lot, obviously, of American. IP and things very familiar to this audience. So if it were to get an adaptation, would you want to see it in its pure state or would you want to see the cultural aspect of it adapted more into sort of the Japanese sci-fi? Would you want it lensed in that direction rather than trying to adapt the, uh, uh, you know, the North American focus of it. Yeah, I think that I would like to see the Japanese take on it. Uh, I would prefer it if, you know, com computer was based in Tokyo or whatever city they want to put it in, but basically give it a Japanese lens and just kind of see where they go with it. That'd be cool. So, I right, but uh, moving along, what is your number four? Okay. Speaking of authors who have, you know, some of my favorite work out there, I didn't have a, a reason to include uh, Naoki Urasawa from the earlier cast. I couldn't think of redoing something. But there are a few of his series that never got translated. Uh, so that's the author of works like Yuara, which uh, I will get you to watch someday. <laughs> and, uh, Monster, which uh, you are probably aware of. So he fluctuates between, you know, concepts that are, uh, that seem, you know, fairly generic and comedic, and then 
you know, psychological thrillers and all manner of stuff. So he's uh, uh, he fluctuates uh, diversely between certain things, but most of his prominent ones have gotten adaptations. Uh, obviously, Yawara and uh, Monster, Master Keaton, 20th Century Boys. He did a, a really interesting series called Pluto, which was based essentially on Astro Boy from uh, Tezuka. It took like a, an arc from that, and it expanded it into a, a multiple volume, deeper look, pull it, making one of the minor characters from that arc the main character of Pluto and exploring it. And, and I find it fascinating because Astro Boy is one of those things that I just can't read. It, it's too early. It's too childish. Uh, even though I'm very used to Tezuka's uh, uh, other works and his style, that one I can't get into, but Pluto I find extremely compelling. It's uh, uh, very interesting, and we are getting an anime adaptation of it. Uh, but one of his series is more in the Awara vein. Uh, it is a series called Happy. And the general concept of it, uh, you can even take it just... You know, the it doesn't need any more than the wiki explanation of it. It is a sports manga, technically, but uh, it is the story about a teenage heroine who embarks on a career as a professional tennis player to repay an enormous debt incurred by her brother to Yakuza Lone Sharks with the threat that if she fails, they will force her into a life of prostitution at a soapland. So that's the basic setup of it. <laughs> And I really want to see. It went on for 23 volumes. I'm like, they, they could make a good run at that. It's not often that you have things that lean into the professional sports side as opposed to just the, you know, the high school. And, and more than that, it's not often that you see ones with a weird side hook. Occasionally, you'll get a baseball series like One Outs that uh, will have a weird hook as opposed to just being about, you know, people who really want to play the sport. So uh, this, this uh, I think would be a, an eminently worthy thing to bring over and would be uh, a nice exposure again to early uh, Urasawa stuff. Yeah. I can't even begin to describe the face that I made as you were describing that plot. <laughs> and he was writing that simultaneously with monster so just think about also him going i forget they were probably both monthly uh he did he didn't always you know not even sure if he ever did a weekly series but uh so he uh he started happy pretty much right after yuara so i guess he hadn't you know removed all of his desire to write about sports but then uh then he would start monster the year after happy and keep them both running for the next five six years alongside <laughs> what kind of mindset do you have to be to balance two series like, like that side by side i don't I, know but he did it yeah yeah i couldn't even imagine balancing those two different projects at the same time so all right uh moving along we get to our number three slot so for me i had to include at least one gay. it just had to be done and so i figure sure. why not choose my favorite one of all time and that would be princess waltz hmm what uh is there anything particular about it or, or simply you uh, want to see what that would do in, uh, in full uh, motion as it were? No. Uh, yeah, there definitely was, I was pausing for effect ah, and you okay. didn't give me much of a reaction. So okay. I, so that caught me off. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with it. I yeah. just assume from your description that, oh, okay. So Yeah, so Princess Waltz, the thing is about it is that, yeah, it's a common, you know, harem story, main character is, spoiler alert, uh, main character, 
main uh, character is living with royalty all of a sudden and they discover that the guy that they thought was a guy is actually a girl and then it devolves into harem haremness but the thing is about this is that the writing of the scenes in this one was so good and there were literal chapters where i there were chapters in this one where the normally when i'm reading something i actually have trouble picturing things in my mind i just don't have that visual capability to imagine it as very well which is why i prefer visual uh presentations like manga and anime uh as opposed to light novels or or uh visual novels usually uh, so, but with this one, I was able to picture it in my head so clearly that it was amazing to me. It's very rare that I read something and the image in my head is so crystal clear on what it could look like if it were actually happening in front of me. Uh, and Princess Waltz had that throughout the entire run of the... Uh, story basically what it is is there's a tournament among princesses uh they are fighting almost to the death for control over a throne and the various princesses all have some very dynamic personalities but there's two in particular that i really liked one who uses a giant like drill spear and then there's another one who is uh able to control water and the battle that they had towards the middle of the visual novel was really well described and that one is just that scene alone is the reason why I want to see this become an entire anime series. <laughs> uh, just so I can watch that one battle scene get played out over the course of an episode. Because I think that it would look absolutely amazing. Uh, so so these two that you like best, are they tuned today? <laughs> <laughs> no, no reason. No But, uh, I can honestly say that neither one of them is Sundere, as far as I remember. I'm not I sure. Know, I believe. I that, know. But, uh... I know. I know. It goes against my type, but <laughs> let us let us not say that we don't dream large. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with this one, I actually wrote an article wondering out loud why this had never gotten an anime series and i published that at least a decade ago if not longer so i mean the odds of this of someone randomly stumbling across this again and deciding oh right it should get an anime is probably pretty slim but like i said in our introduction i'm dreaming big with this one now, your adaptation, would it be fully eroge as well, or would it be, you know, one of those where it's, uh, it, it only goes to the, you know, the normal etchy levels, but, uh, but doesn't, uh, uh, spill over? I think that this one could actually benefit from only going for through etchy levels rather than going through full, uh, softcore hentai if it needed to um i think that just etchy would serve the story just fine if the story is strong enough that it could totally stand up on its own so all right uh now that i've babbled on for the last few minutes uh what about you what's your number three okay uh my number three is literally it's just kind of a desire to really want to see things that are so compellingly drawn made into anime. So there are a few that are thinking of it. This is one of those where Blade of the Immortal would have been... Now, it already had an adaptation, and if it didn't get a readaptation, that would have been 
you know, one of my should be rebooted because uh, it wasn't terribly good enough the first time. But that, that's one of those things where I'm just so drawn in uh, to the <laughs> drawing in the manga. Uh, so there are a few series that qualify for this, and they're all kind of historical, uh, which is an, uh, another thing. I like interesting uh, scenes and settings for it. Uh, one of them is called uh, Vagabond, which has been running since 98. That's done by the the author who did the series Slam Dunk, which I assume you are familiar with. I'm completely shocked that Vagabond has not had an adaptation before now. Uh, th- these are the kinds of things where I encourage you to just sort of look at panels of them <laughs> while I'm describing them to, to get a feel. Uh, another one that could have been in contention uh, is called Innocent. Uh, and that's a, that's an interesting one because it also takes place in a time period not often covered uh, during the French Revolution. But obviously we've had things like Rose of Versailles who have taken place there and there have been more series in it. But uh it's it's interesting. It's following essentially a family of executioners. So certainly not the kind of storyline that, that you would really expect. And it's a lot of uh, you know your your historical drama intrigue kind of thing. But again, witness the art to it. Uh, but what I decided to settle on is uh, Toyo Megatari. Uh, also called A Bride Story. The author is the same author, uh, Kaoru Mori, who did uh, Emma, which did get a, a series, which is, you know, nice. It, I'm not sure it reflects uh, fully how she draws, but A Bride Story is very interesting. It's uh, 19th century, sort of Central Asia, and it's about... Uh, uh, an older woman who is sent to a neighboring town to be wed, but finds that her husband is much younger than her. And it's about adapting to that kind of relationship, which is not, you know, uncommon in the era uh, of the time period and sort of integrating into the the household and it it's just a sort of a cultural learning experience so it's a historical romance of a fairly different stripe than normal but again look just look at the cover art uh for it uh look at internal art for it uh it's the kind of stuff that i really want to see a strong studio pick up and present uh, i think it would be one of the more interesting ones to get we we've gotten a bit of that we got Vinland Saga recently and again different time period uh compelling stuff we got uh, uh, a bit more with Golden Kamui uh coming through lately in adaptations but this this particular manga is still running but it's been running for more than a decade so it's got plenty Bride Story is one of those titles that whenever I ask for recommendations on Twitter for new manga titles to check out that one always gets thrown at me. I've yet to pick it up for various reasons I just haven't yet. Uh, I do plan to someday Uh, but yeah that is definitely one of those titles that I'm very curious about because of how often it gets thrown at me i haven't read the whole thing i have uh some volumes i think all of the volumes are uh uh, have been translated uh are covered by yen press so i have to catch up with it but uh but yeah well obviously you can consider this yet another recommendation to add to the pile I will keep that in mind. So, all right, moving along to our number two slot. Uh, so for my number two, this was the very first shoujo manga that I sought out and was 
this so long story short basically what happened was it was over a decade ago i was just hanging out looking browsing through manga sites looking for something to read i stumbled across this one it still has never been even licensed for release uh commercially in english and it has never gotten an anime adaptation despite as far as I'm aware, doing fairly well in the popularity polls when it was actually running, and that would be the shoujo title Faster Than a Kiss. Hmm. I think I've run across that, but I'm not very familiar. So the basic idea behind this one is that it's basically about a teenage girl who has a kid brother. Uh, for various reasons, they are out on their own in the world, no home, no money, no nothing. Uh, and while hanging out in a park one day, her homeroom teacher stumbles across them and she tells him everything that's going on and the te- and the teacher says okay you can live with me uh under certain conditions uh and one of them if i recall correctly is basically as soon as she gets of legal age they're gonna get married okay. uh so yeah and it's a really cute romantic comedy one of my favorite parts about it is that one of his conditions for her and her brother living with him is that every day when he comes home from work she has to be dressed up in a different kind of cosplay (laughs) okay yeah it's just it's a quirky little romantic comedy it lasted 12 volumes it ran from like 2007 to 2012 or something like that but yeah and it just boggles my mind that a the series has never even been licensed for release out west and b it has never gotten any kind of anime adaptation it never got an ova didn't get a series it just got nothing and that always boggled my mind i can see a number of reasons why a lot of times that kind of thing wouldn't happen you know what's the age gap between the characters teacher and student uh you know there there's a lot of things that would ward people away and and make them consider the relationship not a thing to be rom-commed about uh, but this is Japan we're talking about, and a whole lot of the, the series tread <laughs> where others feel to uh, uh, fear to. Yeah, and so uh, actually... certainly Domestic Girlfriend uh, is just finishing up its run, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, uh, Scum's Wish covers the whole teacher-student uh, stuff. You you get the whole approach from uh, uh, various angles and uh, they don't really shy away from this sort of thing, especially in Shoja. Yeah, you know, I was actually really doubting myself at first when I put this one on my list because I was thinking about it. And yeah, there are some problematic elements to it. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, But then I thought about some of the other series that I've watched over the years that have a lot more problematic elements than just, you know, a teacher and one of his students living together. And, you know, so I went ahead and I just went with it and figured, you know, what the hell. Of course, that is, if I recall, 16 is an age where they can get married. So I believe there are other series that start where, you know, the heroine is, in fact, married to her teacher, but it's in secret and it's something that they uh, uh, can only... Uh, uh, talk about or do anything about at home and it's being hidden from the school. I can't remember exactly, but it it feels like that's uh, already existing series. So, you know, we're not we're not hitting anything uh, you know, the, what's the phrase? Nothing new under the sun. Technically, it's probably already been covered. Uh, and in this case, it does seem like it just sort of has a sweet comedic feel to it that would uh, lessen the blow for people. 
probably. Yeah. That was my line of thinking, at least. Sounds cute. I approve. <laughs> so, uh, I, all... I... Uh, I was just going to ask quickly if that author has done anything else that uh, I know of, or, or if that's like the long, if it's a more recent author and if that's one of the longer works that she's done. Uh, as far as I'm aware, they have not done a whole lot of other titles that really took off. Uh, Meteor Prince was another one of their titles, which I believe uh, did get licensed for release over here, but I don't don't remember if it ever got an anime adaptation. Uh, no. And then, yeah, looking at some of the other titles, nothing that really you know sticks okay. out to me. My my next pseudo category. Uh, is connected to my, uh, uh, you know, the the other one that I was doing under the reboot category, which uh, at the time was, can I take something that's sort of a uh, uh, a classic and uh, reboot it, honestly? But it made me start thinking about, you know, Katsuhiro Otomo and Miyazaki. And uh, Otomo had an interesting series called Legend of Mother Sarah, which was sort of post-apocalyptic nuclear landscape. It's it's very much Fist of the North Star kind of landscape, but the story being told is of a woman called Sarah looking for her children and sort of helping people along the way. And yes, being involved in fighting off gangs of roving bandits, but not, you know, punching people in the head and or poking them and saying you are already dead and then they explode. Uh, <laughs> so a, a much different approach to that kind of, uh, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic hellscape, uh, Dark Horse translate. I'm not sure if it was all of it, but there is one volume. I remember enjoying it a lot. I thought it would be interesting. I'm not sure it has enough to build a, you know, a full series on. Uh, there is another interesting thing I mentioned Nausicaa last time uh, in regards to Miyazaki because the manga that he did went much further uh, but he also had something called uh, The Journey of Shuna which I guess is kind of seen as a Nausicaa predecessor and uh, again it's something that that's short enough I think it would be interesting to you know present it to people but more as a, uh, a historical <laughs> interest and if you're not going to get Miyazaki to direct and anim and uh, Ghibli to animate it would, would it even be worth doing uh, but all of that brings me back to the aforementioned you know father of manga in uh, uh, Sama Tezuka uh, because if you ever look through how much manga the dude has done it, it is truly mind boggling um, and there are a number of things that, uh, you know, he's had big series that came out. I, w I would have wanted uh, Buddha because I thought that was uh, a nice long series. Uh, I discovered it too late. It had a couple anime, but not nearly enough to cover uh, uh, the thing. So that would have had to be a reboot, not a must exist kind of thing. Uh, but one of the manga series that I remember being weirdly compelling for the time was uh, Message to Adolf, which is a World War II era kind of political intrigue. Of course, being in World War II and serious themes kind of runs weird with Tezuka's drawing style because he, no matter what he's doing, he tends to be weirdly cartoonish. Uh, so having these over-exaggerated cartoony scenes where there is an actual Hitler, uh, you know, yelling uh, thing, it's a little weird. So maybe maybe dial back the Tezuka style in this adaptation, but I think it was an interesting story, and it was an interesting alternate 
um, approach to it. it. It was kind of, you know, how certain video games fantasize about uh, the whole, oh, well, wh- what if, you know, you were trying to deploy that bomb that attempted to take Hitler's life at this point? Could we have stopped the war? What this one was, was a couple families and people getting torn apart by being on the other sides of the uh, conflict and a lot of characters named Adolf who were brought through. So you got to see a young kid go through the Hitler youth and get corrupted by the regime. Uh, You had, of course, you know, what Germany was going through under Adolf. You had other characters who were growing up. So you had Jews involved in it. But the big political intrigue portion of it is that it's discovered somehow that uh, I, I forget the logistics of it. I think it was like a, a birth certificate or or proof that Hitler himself wa- had Jewish grandparents. So by his own definition was Jewish and would have needed to be exterminated by his own policies. So you had, uh, you know, German secret service who knew of the existence of this thing and were obviously trying to uh, shut down all knowledge of it. And you had other people who were trying to make it known to the world and get the secret out there so that it could be revealed and possibly uh, uh, cause his downfall or at least major disruption. It was it was a really interesting uh, story. They, they did all of... Uh, they did translate all of the uh, manga out here, so that's how I came across it. Uh, but I think it would be very interesting to put together as a nice, uh, you know, single core, just well-crafted anime for it. I am curious to know how the world would react to an adaptation of that in today's climate. Yeah, yet another, yet another thing. But, uh, I mean, you, you've still had well-received series Man in the High Castle, which is an alternate fiction where, you know, the Axis won World War II. Uh, so as much as there is certainly the concern due to, uh, uh, you know, neo-Nazi resurgence in the U.S. and things like that, certainly the subject matter of this w- would... Uh, still be uh, uh, interesting. And of course, any series done well enough rather than callously or or poor enough, I think will be received well. Probably it would have been better to do this back in the 80s when it was written or the 90s shortly thereafter than in today's climate. But, you know, I I still think it's uh, interesting and would be, uh, would be worth uh, a roll of the dice. So, alright, our number one slots, once again, I'm going to go a little obvious, uh, because this is another title that I've written about repeatedly over the years, Uh, but, and I'm also cheating a little bit, because I'm including the original game and its sequel, and that would be Lunar Silver Star and Lunar Eternal Blue. Well, once you said game, I assumed it uh, might be Lunar. So uh... yeah, yeah, Lunar is so deserving of a title. Twenty years on, this is uh, actually more than twenty years. Excuse me, I keep forgetting that it's only been twenty years since it's released in North America, but longer than that in Japan. But this is gone. It's gone on long enough now that this is a title that should have gotten an anime adaptation way back in the two thousands era. Uh, I see, again, absolutely no reason why this one couldn't have gotten adapted. It got in a manga, a short one, but mm. it never but it never got an anime no, adaptation. No Lunar game or nothing of that series ever had an adaptation? Because that, that seems almost impossible <laughs> for I, it to I, not have. It certainly feels like it should have. If I recall correctly, Lunar Magic School got some kind of short short adaptation, but I'm not 100% about that. But the main games, no, none of them ever got an anime adaptation. 
That's crazy. Because it, it, I mean, it certainly feels like anime. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they all had like at uh, least 20, 20 to thirty hours worth of anime cutscenes, which was pretty revolutionary at the time. But yeah, frankly, you kind of get the feel from uh, obviously a lot of uh, JRPGs. So I guess did did anything from the Zeno series get an anime Zeno Saga or uh, Zeno Gears? Uh, I think so. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Xenosaga got an anime. Okay. In... Let me check real fast. In... 2005. Okay. So, it's... It's been a while. It's been a while. That yeah. Was, uh, 98. So, yeah, you usually you'd think that those games, especially any popular series, is I know got anime. So, you you assume that they'll take a stab at it at some point. Uh, I'm surprised it never happened with Lunar. Yeah, Lunar, like I've said before, is literally the best anime we never got. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it is the... It is... It was made to be an anime. It was absolutely wonderful as a video game, but Lunar Silver Star and Lunar Eternal Blue had had more than a strong enough story and care and cast of characters to support an entire anime series. Indeed. Uh, do you have a particular, since this is near and dear to you, do you have a particular, you know, like studio or director you would want to see? I don't know if I have a director in mind. I'm not, I don't follow directors as closely as I used to. Uh, but studio, I think that, I think that White Fox could probably do a good job with it. I can see that they have their hands in some uh, compelling fantasy work. Yeah, so White Fox, I think, would be really good uh, if you know we're dreaming. If we're since we're dreaming big anyway, you know, A One Pictures of or UFO Table handling <laughs> it would be fabulous. I mean, we're dreaming big, so we might as well. Yeah. I'm I'm forgetting the order. Was that your fifth, or am I starting the fifth? Uh, that was my fifth one. So okay. go ahead with yours. All right. So the, I thought that we might. This was the one that I was saving for last because I thought you might actually pull it out. Uh, we've mentioned it before. It feels almost heretical because I know it's explicitly going against the wishes of the author. But I don't fucking care, uh, Azuma. I want Yatsubato so yeah. badly. So oh, I f badly. I feel <clears throat> you there. I absolutely feel you there. It, it is like the most Iyashike thing imaginable. It's one of those manga that whenever I just pick up a volume and go through it, I just have a, a shit-eating grin on my face the entire time. Get to experience a lot of stuff vicariously through it. The, the, the manga itself, of course, is still done infuriatingly slow. I don't know uh, what, what he does, but it, it feels like it's been on hiatus for the past five years, and it hasn't technically but sort of barely technically if you get three volumes out in seven years that's very slow for for manga it was moving a little faster earlier on so i, I don't know what he's doing and, and you know i don't care i know that he doesn't believe that it's possible to translate it but it it, it feels like you know if you can make nichi joe happen i feel like you can make uh, Yotsuba happen. Uh, 
So certainly I feel like studios should be trying and taking a stab at doing a thing that would allow him to uh, allow the work to become uh, an anime. I think it is, it is such a huge delight generally and a great adaptation of this, uh, I think would uh, uh, thrill many, many more people because there are of course many more people who will uh, watch the anime more easily it's more easily shared uh, than would ever pick up the manga. So I, I need the world to have the the best comedy slice of life, Iyashike. And seriously, the biggest repository of smiles and crazy reaction faces the world has ever seen. That's That's what I need to happen. I totally feel you there. I have not caught up with this series yet. I've only read, like, I think like three or four volumes of it. Uh, but yeah, I every time I read a volume of this, I'm right there with you. It is just this silly, goofy grin on my face because it's so ridiculously adorable. It it definitely it definitely is. It it is it, in certain regards just like peerless. <laughs> and you'd you'd think that his approach would have been that Azamanga Dayo really couldn't have been adapted well as well, but as we know it was adapted very well, so I'm not quite sure why he feels like it it can't be done for Yotsuba, but uh uh I, I hope someone drives a dump truck of money up to his uh, driveway and says, let us animate, and then all may bask in the love and light and life that is Yotsuba Koiwai. <laughs> so, I I think that about wraps things up, so let's go ahead, let's call that good for today. Thank you, CT, for joining me again. Thanks for having me. Uh, if all of you out there enjoyed our little podcast, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And also, if you have any titles on your personal wish list that you want to see adapted into anime for the first time, drop them in the comments. Uh, let us know. We'd really like to hear your thoughts as well. So I, until next time, take care, everybody, and have a good night. See ya.